It's been a week. It started last Sunday um, early morning, just before dawn, when uh, I got a phone call and they said that uh, there was a tragic accident. We made that announcement. And so I know many of you have had that in your minds uh, all week long, and we've been dealing with this all week long. It's an honor. It's not a job. And um, after that, what you don't know is that there's been several other conversations or calls that have come in this week where people have been rushed to the hospital with this or with that, and people are at this very hour awaiting surgery that we know of. So there's an awful lot going on, and I have, I have felt all week, I'll I, I just confess it, like it's pretty hard to get in the mood for Easter. You know what I mean? I, I said to the Lord last Sunday morning as I sat in a waiting room, I, I, I said, you know, I should be better at this by now, but it just seems to me um, I resonate more with Good Friday than with Easter because partly of what I do, this is my life, this is my job, I spend more time, it seems, in situations that are Good Friday than those that are like Easter Sunday morning. And so it's, it's, it's a process for me to get there, and I want to try to help some of you that are in that place right now to move us in that direction. I've wanted to say all week, and I'm going to say in a moment, He is risen. And instead of saying, He is risen indeed, which is what you always say, I would like you this time to cite Scripture, quote Scripture. He is risen indeed is not really in the Bible. Uh, it's just in the church Bible. And... Um, <laughs> What's in the Bible when the angel said, he is risen just as he said? This is, I told you. <laughs> so I've waited all week and it's been a long week. But I want to start this morning by saying, church, he is risen. <laughs> Thank you. They were on their way to the tomb that morning, according to Luke chapter 24. It was very early, and when they got to the tomb, the stone had been rolled away, and there were two angels sitting inside. They were dressed in white, gleaming. And the women were perplexed because the stone was moved, and there were people they didn't recognize. And before they could say anything, one of the angels said to the women, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Remember what he told you while he was still with you. Now pay attention to the language. Angels know exactly what they're saying. How the Son of Man, the prototype for all humanity must be handed over, betrayed, and must be crucified, and on the third day must be raised from the dead. And then in Luke 24, 8, they remembered his words. Now I wish I could get you to remember his words. It's not that you don't know his words, it's that you can't remember him. Mark Twain said, the person who won't read has nothing over the one who can't. 
the person who can't remember something has nothing over the person who never knew it in the first place. Because to remember is to reach back into your mind and call to the foreground what it was you were told so you can use it when you need it. To remember is not the same thing as memorization. You memorize something, regurgitate it on a test. This is not that kind of remembrance. This is not a test. Life is a predicament. And so to remember is to be told something, to store it in the back of your mind, to reach back when you need it, and to pull it forward and call on it to guide you in the steps that you're supposed to take. When Moses was called, he said to the Lord, I don't know you. I, what, what is your name? And the Lord said, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. It was as if he said, remember, remember. And when he said it, it triggers the memory in Moses' mind. Now I know who you are. Then he said, this is what you shall say to them, the I am has sent me. And I've wondered to myself whether he was supposed to say to the Israelites, here is God's new name, or should he have said, here is God's old name. Here is the name that you've known for centuries. It's the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And when he said it, it's like a bell went off, and they went, ah, that's the one. And so when the Israelites went through the Red Sea, and they were out of water on the other side, they... They should have been calm, but they were in panic and they were desperate because they forgot. They couldn't remember. When you remember, you can reach back and say, wait a second, God was there in the past. He's going to do something right now. I don't know what it is, but God is about to break loose on this situation. If you can't remember that, you will become desperate. You'll panic. You'll start to drift. So one more time, church, our problem is that we don't know. We do know. We're like disciples. He told us this four different times. Our problem is that we cannot remember when we need to remember. Because when you can remember it, it becomes your frame of reference. You can say, oh, that's what's happening. This is that. My job as a pastor is, is not simply to pray for people. Lots of people pray for people. My job is harder. It's to interpret what has happened to people while it is happening. And that is no small thing when you can't get your mind around it and you have to interpret. This is not the same thing as knowing it and studying it. You have to make sense of it at the right time so people can hold on to it. And so this week as the calls were coming in and as we were making trips, I was doing what so many of you do. Some of you are doing right now. You're trying to make sense of the randomness, of the chaos the questions, they start following. Why did this happen and why at just that time if the, all of that stuff starts to happen? 
But this week, as I started to think about the tragedies and the crisis and the fear that so many of us are living in right now, I remembered his words. And what he said was, the Son of Man must be handed over. And he must be crucified. And on the third day, he will be raised to life. That is not all that Jesus said. But that is all they were called to remember. There is nothing in there about the Beatitudes, nothing about the teaching on the kingdom of God, nothing about the woe to the Pharisees, nothing about the prophecies of the last time. Jesus said all of these things, but the thing the angel wants them to remember is this. He was handed over or betrayed. He was neglected. He was abandoned. He was forgotten. And then he was killed. He lost. He failed. He was defeated. But on the third day, he was raised to life. It's almost as if those three days, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, become a routine or a cycle that we go through in our lives. So we must not live under the belief that for every Christian, all of the time, it is always Easter Sunday. Because in reality, or at least how it feels to some of us, you can't live on Easter all of the time. There are seasons when you are thrown back into Good Friday where there is loss and there is abandonment and there is neglect and there is failure and defeat. Or you are stuck on Holy Saturday where you can't make sense of it, where it is still and quiet and the questions are bigger than the answers. But what we have to remember, church, is that Friday and Saturday are moving towards Sunday. Even if you are stuck on Friday, it's moving towards Sunday. That's the difference. It's not that Friday doesn't happen. It's that Friday is moving towards Sunday. So if you find yourself stuck in a predicament right now that feels contrary to Easter Sunday, if you came in this morning and you watched the Christ the Lord is risen today, and inside of you you're thinking, man, I'm not feeling any of this. A couple of things for you. One, it, it is essential essential that you stay in the day you are in. You can't make Sunday happen. Sunday is what God has done. It isn't something you make happen, and so you can't speak it into existence. So if you're here this morning and you're struggling and you're caught, you must stay in the day that you were in and not feel sorry or guilty or unfaithful about any of that stuff. Live there. Stay there. 
But remember, it's moving towards Sunday. And on the third day, he will be raised to life. Man, are you guys breathing? Say amen. amen. I have needed that. I want to I wanna follow the women, if I can, on their way to the tomb, because I think it's almost like stages along a journey. That, that's what it is. Easter didn't happen in a second. It happened as a journey. Some of the women got up in the morning and they started going to the tomb. And they had with them spices. They were intending on embalming the body. They were not thinking to themselves, let's take these spices in case there is a body. They were thinking, we know how this works. There is a death, there is a burial, we wait three days, and then the loved ones go back and embalm the body one more time before it is finally sealed away. That's what we'll do. And so, with spices in hand, they head off to the tomb. Mark says, on the way, they are asking themselves, who will roll away the stone for us? If you want a picture of what it is like to just be starting in this journey towards the tomb, you only need look at the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. They're having a conversation, and they say to the visitor, have you not heard what has happened in Jerusalem these days? He said, what things? And they said, Jesus, a man, powerful in word and in deed. Listen to him. We thought he was the one. But then they handed him over and they crucified him and they stopped talking. Do you notice what they've left out? And on the third day, it's not in there. They were stuck. We thought he was the one. So, so like women who are just starting out for the tomb that morning, I think there are people here this morning who are disappointed in what God was supposed to do. And it's why Easter is so hard on you. Because you've been praying for something and it still hasn't happened. And maybe somebody gave you a promise and you cited it. You read the Bible. They laid hands on you. They did it just like they're supposed to do it in James, you know, the instructions. They did that for you. And it didn't work for you. And so like women along the way, you haven't abandoned the faith. That's why you're still going after him. You still love him. You still want to be with him. But you can't get there yet, can you? Because he's disappointed you. You're hurt. It's not making sense. None of the religious answers work anymore. And yet you can't abandon the faith, can you? But when you get there, the stone has been rolled away. 
who will roll away the stone for us, you say to yourself. And when you arrive, you discover God himself has rolled away the stone. Listen, Easter is not about what you can do. It is about what God can do. Easter is about something only God can do. Let me say that to the Holiness Church because the Holiness Church is filled with instructions about how to live. Easter has no instructions. You're not even praying for Easter. And it happens anyway. It is an event so unforeseen, so unpredictable, so unbelievable and unthinkable that it's unrepeatable. You can't bottle it. It just happens. And when it happens, you're talking about it for the rest of your life. So I know some of you are caught. I know you're stuck. I know you're disappointed. I know like women carrying spices, you're saying, I've learned how to make religion fit within the confines of my explanations. This is how God works. You have to stay on Friday. But would you leave open the possibility that God may someday surprise you? He can change things that you won't be able to explain. You don't have to make it happen. You just have to stay open and not be cynical and think to yourself, someday, maybe God, he can do it. Like some of you, the women move from the start of their journey to the point when they are almost there. They've been on the road now, mile, two miles. It's been a while, and they're almost to the tomb. Some of us have left the disappointment, the sadness, the loss, the rejection, abandonment, betrayal, all of those things that are just pulling you in right now. You've left it, but you're still sort of waiting for God to do something. You've heard sermons like this so long and nothing has happened. And so you just sort of let off on the gas a little bit. I know that feeling. I was driving uh, on the way to Fort Wayne this week and um, trying to rehearse the narrative. And you guys... It was, I was talking to Alex about this. We were talking about Good Friday and Holy Saturday and wanting it to be Easter, but it, it, it just wasn't yet. And I remembered the words of the Gospels. Do you know when the resurrection happened? There was nobody there. There were no participants, only witnesses. When did the resurrection happen? Luke says it happened very early in the morning. Mark is more specific. Mark says, no, no, it was very early in the morning, just after sunrise. Matthew comes along in the Phillips translation and says, no, 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 no. It happened 
at the dawning of the first day of the week. So I read that and it was going through my mind. And I, and I was thinking, yeah, we're not there yet. We're stuck. It's important because that's how you know what Easter is. Easter is not simply the raising of a corpse. Easter is the pushing back of the darkness. It is the rise of a new day that is not like the old day. It's a new day. You can't make it happen and you can't hurry it, but when it happens, everyone sees it. That's what Easter is. And I was almost to the exit, and then I remembered John. John's an outlier. This is what John says. He says, very early in the morning, while it was still dark. The women came to the tomb and the stone was already gone. Just before dawn. I remember John's history with darkness. He said to the disciples, you must walk in the light or you will be overcome by darkness. He was right because on Thursday of the last week as he was serving communion, Judas took the bread and when he took it, he went out, comma, and it was Darkness. Jesus left and went into the garden and the soldiers came to get him. And when they arrested him, he said to the soldiers, this is your hour when darkness reigns. Have your day. Darkness reigns. And when they put him on the cross... It was about noon when suddenly darkness came over the whole earth. You couldn't miss it. Something was happening. Evil was winning. But on Easter Sunday morning, just before dawn, while it was still dark, God came and moved the stone. And I thought to myself, that's what time it is. I can't see it. But that stone is gone. I'm relieved, but I ain't happy. Not yet. I can't get to Sunday until it's Sunday. But I know that the stone is gone and God has already done a miracle. That is my word to some of you right now. You're tired, you're worn out, you're sick of waiting, maybe getting a little bit cynical and sarcastic in the way that you think about faith. Will you leave open the possibility that God has done things you still can't see? 
And when you get there, you will see it. Then you will look back and know that God was there the entire weekend. Is that where some of you are? Just waiting. Then there's Easter. When Easter Sunday arrives, everything looks like it looked before. But when they got to the tomb and they went inside and they looked and the body was gone and the angel talked, they were perplexed and confused. So they turned around, they ran back and they grabbed Peter. And when they found him, they drug him to the tomb. And when Peter looked inside the tomb, he turned around and the Bible says he was amazed. Amazed is the most frequently used word for people who saw the empty tomb. Whenever you see what only God can do and you don't have words for it, you just are amazed. You're just caught speechless. Even those of you who talk a lot can't speak because you're amazed at what God has done. You just go, you can't describe this. And just like we have people in our church who are just starting out right now, carrying the spices, pursuing the one they love, but so disappointed in him. And just like we have people right here now who are partway there, and it's just before dawn, but it hasn't quite happened yet. They're waiting to see this thing that I'm talking about. We have people here this morning who are amazed at what God has done. Listen to me. We've had people in the last year who went to the doctor again to have confirmed what was wrong and there was nothing. We have people in our congregation who just a few months ago were carrying with them addictions and hidden sins their entire lives. And within just a matter of hours, their whole hard drive got rewired I don't know how you do that. It's sort of like turning water into wine, I guess. But that's happened before too once. I'm not saying these people were suddenly moral. I didn't say they were Christians. No, no, they were always Christians. I'm saying something happened to the already saved. And they got a new set of convictions, a new set of preferences. They got all new tastes. This doesn't happen except on Easter so we have people here right now. Some of you are smiling because you want to testify. Hold it. Go to Sunday school. <laughs> I'm almost done. Then you just take over. Because you could tell your stories, can't you? When you're done hearing the stories, everyone, everyone in the room just goes, wow. Oh, some of you, some of you still caught in the struggle. Stay in your day, but you got to know 
as surely as Friday turns to Sunday, Easter happens to God's people. Sometimes it happens like this, and sometimes it happens like this. <laughs> but when it happens, you're talking about it for the rest of your life. Don't ever let go of that. Whether you're still hoping, whether you're starting to see faintly as through a glass, or whether you're one of those for whom this is a brand new day, Easter is for people who live in the land of darkness and have seen a great light. So church, hear the word of the Lord. From now on, I will tell you new things, hidden things that are unknown to you. Listen to this. They are created now, not long ago. You've not heard of them before, so you cannot say, oh yes, I knew that. No, no, forget the former things and do not dwell on the past. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Even now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen ones, the people that I formed for myself, that they may proclaim my glory. For if a person is in Christ... He is a new creature. Old things have passed away and all things have become new. You see, we were buried with Christ through baptism into his death so that just as Christ was raised from the dead, you too may live a new life. Therefore, you were taught to put off your old self which is corrupted by its deceitful desires and to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So this is what the Lord says. You will know that I am the Lord when I open the graves and bring you out of them. I will put my spirit in you and you will come alive. I will bring you into a new land and when I do, then you will know that I the Lord have spoken and then you will know that I the Lord have done it. Church, He is risen. Thank the 